great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you and empower you to make great financial decisions in your life. You know, I'm a huge entrepreneur. I love what we are able to do as individuals, families, a group of friends who get together and start a business. The dynamism, the dynamic nature of our economy is something else. For that, we're the envy of the world. And we as Americans are down on ourselves these days. You talk to people overseas, they know this is the place, this is the land of opportunity. And we're in a pivot right now. We had an extremely strong job market in the United States. It keeps surprising on the upside over and over again. Current unemployment rate, headline unemployment rate in the United States, 3.4%. But I have no doubt that we're going to have softness in the job market because what the Federal Reserve wants, eventually it gets. And that's a slower economy. Not necessarily a recession, but slower economy and definitely a slower job market. In order to squeeze, we're kind of halfway there on inflation, squeeze the other half out. And so what happens is when people mid-career get laid off, that's when a lot of people decide that they're going to become entrepreneurial. I talked about two months ago about how the layoffs in Silicon Valley lead always to the next wave of innovation. Because what happens in Silicon Valley is enterprises get bigger and bigger and more and more bureaucratic and the innovation slows down and all the rest. And then a wave of layoff happens and really creative people who were stifled in that corporate environment but were golden handcuffed to the money they were making, they then go out on their own. And that creates the next wave of innovation. But most of us, that's not our skill area. And we get laid off from something and we're like, what do we do now? And that makes us interested so often in franchises. So anytime the economy slows, I get really worried about people getting taken advantage of at franchise road shows and franchise presentations. And the brochures are gloriously beautiful. The path to wealth they promise, amazing, and the independence and all the pitches I've seen through the years. I want to talk about the franchise thing and tell you what are the things you need to do to protect yourself when you're thinking of buying one. And then later, I want to talk about getting engaged. There's new stats on the rings that are really significant for your wallet if you're getting hitched. So the franchise thing. First rule of franchises, never buy one as a passive investor. It's just somebody who's on the periphery, who's putting your money in, and you think you're going to make money as an absentee owner. I think about over the years, how many athletes, professional athletes, have been pitched why they should own an ice cream parlor, fast food restaurant, a donut shop, a whatever business. And they're there for the ribbon cutting, and then they're never seen again. And the pitch is, you know, your name recognition, that's going to put you even further ahead because people are going to come there because they know you're one of the owners. And they come there hoping they're going to see you or other famous athletes. Do those things work out? No, they don't. 
They don't. Hands-on, active management involvement with any franchise. And you got to know what it's really like, the nuts and bolts. Any of you have listened to me a long time, if you've listened to me a long time, you know my rule number one, when you're intrigued by a pitch of owning a franchise, undercover, you go and you work for a location of that business doing anything, emptying the trash cans. I don't care what it is, cleaning the toilets, whatever. Yeah, I want you in that business seeing the nuts and bolts, not the fancy brochure, not the sales presentation, not the high pressure for you to sign the franchise agreement. You need to know what it's really like day to day. Do you really get support from the franchise company or is it just their name on the building that you're paying them fees for and they're not there to support you? You know, there's a lot of franchises in the last year that have had to make announcements to Wall Street that they're closing hundreds of locations. Behind every one of those locations, probably there's somebody who owned that franchise who got wiped out and lost their money. This is an area that requires that you get your hands dirty before you put your money at risk and signed a contract. Six months is what I want from you. Six months going to work for one of those businesses, seeing what they're like, and they can't know that you're a prospect to buy one. You want to see what it's really like. Truth is, most of the time, you'll say, what was I thinking? I'm never getting involved in this industry. It won't even be that franchise. It'll be, I I thought I'd enjoy being in that industry. I'm not going to enjoy it. Or it could be, this franchise company's a disaster, and you dodge a bullet that way. But you do that time, and then you're ready. Because if it all lines up, you love the business, and you love the franchise, then you can proceed. You love the business, you hate that franchise, then you look for another potential franchise opportunity. But before you go forward, go talk to owners of franchises. Find out their beefs. Any franchise owner is happy to tell you what they hate about the franchise company they have to pay royalty fees to every month. Eyes open, aware Because the song and dance will get your signature on the contract and then you're stuck, stuck, stuck. Much easier to get into trouble with one than to get out. Caution is the byword. You get laid off somewhere, your greatest opportunities always reside in using the skills and experience and training you got in whatever field that is for your next venture. So often people have such a bitter aftertaste from being laid off from a company or an industry that they run away from that industry and they start somewhere else completely fresh in something they have no experience, training, education in. But your greatest opportunities when you do get laid off always are using the knowledge base you developed over time in that field just working for someone else or yourself. Krista? Uh, Kristen in California says, do you know of a good website to follow and keep tabs on the cost of lumber? I'm curious to watch the trend 
And if it's starting to go down as my husband and I bought a fixer upper house in late 2021 with a low interest rate in San Diego, California, wondering if the cost of goods, wood, tile, plumbing, parts, et cetera, will go down and what the trends are for the area. We're assuming labor will not decrease, but keep going up due to the high cost of living. Thanks for any advice on timing these home improvement projects. So as an example, lumber, that one's the easiest of everything you mentioned, Krista, because lumber, there's indices of various types that track the cost of lumber. And just while you were saying that, I pulled one up. There's trading code for lumber, LBSWO, random length lumber futures. And I've got a chart here. You can look different times. Lumber costs right now is the lowest it's been at any time in the last five years, except for a few weeks right after the COVID shutdowns in 20. And lumber is a fraction of the cost of what it was even six months ago. So lumber is a relative bargain right now. And that's really easy to find. Lumber's down over the last five years, down almost in half. Wow. And much more than that, if you go back just a year after it spiked. I'm going to reprice my fence. I had I got prices in 2021, and I was like, I think we can live with this fence. So with the fence, a lot of it's labor. Mm-hmm. But the materials cost from 21? Yeah. Oh, let's look at 21. Let's go back even just a year. Lumber's down like two-thirds from a year yeah, ago. that's crazy. And uh, so, okay, going back. Okay, see, now you have me all curious. Oh, I'm sorry. Going back to um, uh, two years ago right now, mm-hmm. lumber was five times the price it is now. Wow. Five times. So reprice that <laughs> fence because yeah. timing can be your friend or enemy on that. As for Name some of the other products. Um, tile and plumbing parts, things like that. Wood, well, wood already we wood, said. Yeah. Plumbing parts and tile. So uh, tile and plumbing parts, there's no equivalent pattern. I mean, you're talking about uh, commodity when you talk about lumber. Those other two things are very different. You just have to price, and so much of those two, especially is the labor of installing them. Like plumbing parts, maybe, because the production of houses in the United States is not strong right now overall. Those may be an item that's potentially gone down in price. So this is a very sensitive market to the demand in the marketplace for them, and demand is softer now. So your timing is better and better. And as the economy slows, one of the impacts is, remember, the Federal Reserve, what they're about right now is getting prices under control And in a lot of areas involving goods, the actual products themselves, not services, the prices are clearly headed down. Judy in Georgia says, in preparing my will, power of attorney, et cetera, and advanced directives, is it okay to use an online service such as LegalZoom as opposed to an attorney? I'm speaking about simple documents. Yeah, okay, simple documents. You can use LegalZoom. Uh, My favorite is Willmaker which has been around forever. It goes on sale a lot of times. And Willmaker is a great product to do your own will. What are the circumstances where you would not want to use uh, LegalZoom or Willmaker? Blended family. That would be way up high on the list because 
There's complexities involved with drafting a will when it's a blended family that make that not a good choice. Uh, you own your own business or you got a lot of money or you have kids who, if there's assets that they would hope to receive, kids that don't get along would be a great circumstance where you would not want to do a will on your own. Um, if your situation is very simple, you don't have a good story that neighbors can gossip about. You know, you got a very simple life. Uh, you work for a company. Your life is pretty linear. There's not a whole bunch of extraneous things going on. Doing your own will is okay. I'm not a lawyer, by the way. Lawyers who specialize in wills, estates, and trusts cringe every time I even attempt to answer this question because the answer to every will question to them is you need to hire a lawyer. As a practical matter, there are people who won't do that, will not go see a lawyer for it, and die without a will, in which case the state decides what happens. Particularly if you have minor children, even if you don't have assets, it's important that you have a will to state who you want to raise your children in the event of your untimely demise. You die without a will, imagine your state deciding who raises your kids. And she mentioned, you know, power of attorney and advanced medical directives. So even if you don't have, you want to have those. So many states now have statutory medical directives, what used to be called living wills. Now they're generally referred to as medical directives. And so there'll be a state statutory requirement for those. And if you don't do one of those, you got issues involved at the time you become incapacitated if that happens to you. Power of attorney, there's power of attorney for health care, there's durable power of attorney, somebody who can act on somebody else's behalf. Depending, again, on the complexity of your situation, you can do it yourself or you have to hire a professional, a lawyer who specializes, again, in wills, estates, and trusts to do this for you. do it yourself, you mean using official documents through a legal Zoom or something like that. Right. And again, for the the medical power of attorney or medical directives, it may be state statute required, meaning there's a state form that is easily available at a state website or just by searching medical directive state of Georgia. Georgia. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So Georgia is a state required directive. It is a state-specific form. And for people who live in more than one state, a lot of people may live part-time in one state. Your parents do. Mm -hmm. Part-time. They live part-time in Virginia and part-time in Florida? Well, they just spend time in the winter in Florida. They're Virginia residents, really. But if something happened when they were in Florida, Mm -hmm. because they spend months there, Mm -hmm. they should probably have a Florida directive as well. Lynn in Connecticut says you were recently we were talking about tipping for counter service on an iPad or whatever at a point of service. This got me thinking about my recent trip to New York City with my teenager. I haven't been into the city in a long time and grabbed a taxi because we were in a hurry. I paid by credit card in the card machine in the taxi. There was a tipping option. And if I recall correctly, it started at 20 percent and went up from there. I was not able to find a way to turn off the tip or put in a custom number. On the way back, I tried again and still couldn't find a way to change the tip amount. I asked a friend who goes in regularly, and she also hasn't been able to change the tip amounts. 
Do you know if there's a way to turn off the tip option or make a custom tip? You'll be happy to know that my husband and I went into the city the following weekend and we walked eight miles because we didn't want to pay the exorbitant taxi fees and because the lazy teenager wasn't with us. Okay, that's funny all the way around. So if you if you frequent New York City and you're going to ride in cabs instead of Uber, Lyft, or they have a local competitor called Revel, R-E-V-E-L. Or the subway. Or the, well, I ride the Just subway so everywhere. Yeah. Subway is awesome. Quickest way around. There's an app called Curb, C-U-R-B. I know it works in New York. Don't know how many other cities are Curb participants. But with the Curb app, you're able to link the cab ride with a code, and then you're able to completely control what tip you leave for the cab driver. As someone who spends a lot of time in New York, I put Uber and Lyft up as my first and second choice. Lyft is usually cheaper than Uber. Oh, these are all the cities for Curb? New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles. Uber and Lyft in many cities are actually cheaper than cabs. With them, both of them, you're able to choose what level of tip you offer. So there are ways around it. But the best thing, the eight miles of walking was so good for you. Think about it. That's about 16,000 steps you got walking around. So your health is better. And New York is one of those cities like London or Paris where you enjoy so much more at street level walking around. So it was a good choice for an odd reason that you got to do the eight miles of walking. Coming up ahead, big change going on in the wedding business. And it's something I've talked about for years that can save you a lot of money. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So people aren't getting engaged right now. A lot of stats show that it's one of the effects of COVID. So remember, after the COVID emergency started settling down, the wedding business skyrocketed because of all the weddings that didn't take place in 20 and 21. Facilities, service providers, everybody, churches, religious congregations, they were just busy, busy, busy with weddings. And that backlog cleared out. Well, now the number of people getting married is going the other way because I remember the stat from when people first start dating, the average length of time till engagement is 3.5 years is what I remember from the story. 
And who knows, there may be different stats that would show different numbers. But obviously today, it's really different than it was in America two generations ago. And that people, from when they start dating, there's a good long while till they decide to get married because overwhelmingly, couples now will live together for a period of time that can go on for years before they decide, you know what, maybe we should do this marriage thing. And so that's why there's this big delay. Well, during COVID, there was a couple of years, people really weren't able to date. You take that cycle forward. And so people aren't getting engaged now. So it creates, uh, I'm always looking for the marketplace advantage, right? It creates opportunity. And so jewelers aren't selling the diamond rings they were selling before. Plus, the market share for the diamonds I want you to buy anyway, the lab created, going up and up and up and up. And in some cities, lab created are close to getting to a point where they'll be the primary sales in a marketplace. Why? You get so much more. My wife, one of her nephews, recently got engaged. He and his fiance had agreed that they would do lab created. They did, and the diamond is gorgeous. It's much larger than they could have afforded on their budget. They were able to stay solidly within their budget buying lab created. And the great news is the number of lab created diamonds is growing so quickly that classic supply and demand, the market price for the gap between a dug-out-of-the-earth diamond and a lab-created, which are both chemically identical, the price gap is growing larger and larger and larger. So whether you want traditional dug-out-of-the-earth or you want lab-created, the prices of each are going down, one, because of the overall reduction in the number of people getting engaged, and the second, if you go lab-created, that gap is getting gigantic and the quality of the look the sparkling nature you know the color the clarity of a lab created diamond extraordinary so why do people buy traditional diamonds because it's traditional and this is different than the past when there used to be different substances that were made to look like a diamond but weren't these lab createds are again chemically identical so got a big change going on you know the other part of this is if the engagement rate has gone way down that means you look forward over the next year the number of weddings taking place will be down which means you've got a lot more negotiating power on everything involved with putting on your wedding than you would have in the prior two years Okay, we'll go to questions. Melissa in South Carolina says, how do you dispute the escrow amount with your mortgage company if you believe you're being overcharged? Okay, Melissa, the mortgage company is allowed to collect from you each month one-twelfth of what the estimated cost is for taxes and insurance for your home and then add in two-twelfths of cushion. So that just makes people's heads spin. So the two twelfths, you know what your taxes and insurance are divided by 12. And then that amount times two 
then divided by 12 can be added in each month as a cushion on that amount, the two twelfths rule. So if your lender is collecting in excess of that, you appeal escrow and there will be a procedure with your lender that you appeal escrow, that you send them your own calculation based on estimate of tax and insurance with the cushion. And lenders uh, know that people are confused by this and unethical lenders will over collect escrow because then they have free use of your money, interest-free, month after month, year after year. And that's why you don't just sit there like a lamb, you roar like a lion, and you have a proper recalculation of escrow done. And your lender will hate you for it, but they need to comply with the law. If your lender still ignores you, after you have fully been able to calculate what it should be, that lender is regulated by a state authority. You contact the state authority that issues the license to mortgage lenders in your state, and you file a complaint about over-escrowing, and that will get the lender almost certainly to behave. Jay in Texas says, Clark, over the years, you wisely recommend arranging to have a used car taken to an independent mechanic before purchasing. I haven't heard you mention mobile used car inspections before. I've used a mobile inspection service for my last few used car purchases, and it's an easy process. The one I've used to help coordinate with the seller, visited the vehicle at the seller's location. They provide a detailed report by email and even do a verbal summary over the phone and provide a recommendation if the vehicle is a good value for the price. This is much easier than trying to arrange for a car to be transported to a shop. The ASE certified mobile service I've used only does used car inspections as opposed to brick and mortar shops. So they're very knowledgeable with the used car market as well. I'm assuming these mobile services are available in other parts of the country. 100% correct. And it's my fail that I don't normally say this. You said a key thing, ASE certified mechanic. Uh, automotive service excellence, that's what ASC stands for. That means they are a level of training and experience that they know what they're doing as a mechanic. This became a popular thing with the mobile diagnostic mechanics because of the emergence years ago of eBay Motors is becoming a platform probably 15 years ago forward that people started for the first time regular consumers, not professional dealers, started buying vehicles across the country. Now a very common thing to do, and your suggestion is a great thing to do. Uh, You know, I always say the mechanic of your choosing, and that's too much shorthand, and what you've said is something I should be saying each time. Judy in Wyoming says, have you ever pointed out to your listeners that if they don't have free shipping via Amazon Prime, Amazon tries to be sneaky by defaulting the shipping method to a one day faster than free shipping that is not free, usually about $6. And that even if your cart qualifies for free shipping, you manually have to change the shipping speed to the slower free option. If not, you should mention it. 
I've never heard that before. Have you heard this before? I'm prime, but I've seen where it defaults, like there are different options for shipping. And I've seen that before, like on other people's accounts, like this is definitely happens. So you have to make sure you choose the free option. Judy, thank you so much for this. And it gives me an opportunity again to mention Amazon on many of the items for sale now no longer is free returns. And you've got to pay attention to that. We became so conditioned to Amazon being so easy to do business with. They're not as much as they were before. They still are a great logistics operator and a very good company. Uh, They're just not what they were before in being consumer friendly. And what you describe breaks trust with a customer. It's a bad idea to do that. And uh, I'm going to look for that. I'm going to go to Amazon. Uh, We're Prime members. I'm going to go where I look not as a Prime member. Use uh, a different browser. Incognito search and see if if that same thing happens to me defaulting to a shipping charge when I would have been entitled to free shipping. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Remember, we serve you around the clock every day of the year at Clark.com. The idea, and I hope we execute it every single time you look, information you can trust for you and your wallet. We also have one-on-one free advice as we've been doing for over 30 years. The Team Clark Consumer Action Center, available to serve you six hours each weekday. Eastern time zones, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon at 636-49-CLARK. Again, that's 636-49-CLARK. Have a great day.